Hey, remember me? My goodness. It's been five weeks since I've been up here. Five weeks. That's like over a month. That's crazy. My name's Mark, in case you forgot. I miss you guys so much. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. We got a little bit of church business, some awesome church business to tend to. We're going to take a few minutes just to uh, point out. Um, So I got here about three and a half years ago when John was retiring, and right on the heels of me settling in, like a month, maybe a month later after I got here, this this, uh, awesome young man named Pastor Doug Atterbury, he came right in behind me. And Doug's an amazing man of God, and he's an amazing leader, Um, just so blessed to have them on our team, and we've just been amazing partners for one another. I've just enjoyed our friendship and our ministry partnership, and he's come alongside me so, so well. And um, thank you for filling in for a couple weeks uh, in the pulpit when I was out. But, um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, I don't take a lot of time, but it's a big thing. We're, we're promoting Doug to executive pastor of this church. Yeah. Because I'm clearly, I'm, I'm, I'm overworked, <laughs> apparently. Um, just kidding. A couple of reasons. Um, Doug's going to continue to oversee children's ministry and youth ministry, but he's going to come alongside me to over, help oversee the staff and the day-to-day operations. And one of the realities is that a week from tomorrow, our church plant in He, Texas, is going to start meeting every week. And so that just has more demands on my time. And then, of course, if you know me, the next thing for me is what's the next church plant. So just my role shifting a little bit, you know, um, not that much, but it just allows me to be freed up to do some of those things. And, and uh, so I'm going to let Doug speak on that a little bit more. My hair, sorry. I don't have much to say on, on that front other than just thank you guys. You guys all know that I... I I love being here as a pastor of our church. Um, I love you guys, most importantly. Mark and I work great together, and I'm really excited to kind of oversee the staff and and what's going on there and just come alongside of Mark. And with that being said, um, for me to be able to do that, I need a little bit of help. So um, I actually want to invite another person up. (laughs) Um, You guys might not know who this is because we've been hiding him upstairs uh, for a while. This, This is Holden Thompson. Um, Holden has actually been on staff for, uh, since June, since the beginning of June. Um, we kind of had him jump in. So Holden is, is officially has the title of our uh, Assistant Director of Student Ministries. So Holden is kind of coming alongside of me to kind of help oversee what we're doing in our 180 Student Ministries every single week. So he's been uh, fantastic already since June. He's already taught at our camp, our summer camp, if you didn't know that. And he's been uh, taking the lead in our, in our teaching spot uh, for our Sunday and our Wednesday roles. So he's already jumped in, started up a new series that started just this last week in, in the book of Exodus. And so we're really excited about Holden. Uh, I want you to know just a few things about Holden, okay? Uh, one, uh, he's a young guy, so he needs your support and your love, but he's exceptionally talented. He, he uh, just got a Bible degree from Wheaton College in uh, Chicago, Illinois, which is a, a very uh, difficult school, uh, and he's, he's very smart. He knows a lot about the Word of God, and we're excited about that. Um, but there's three really important things, uh, uh, other than the fact that he knows the Lord and loves the Lord. That's the most important thing. He's going to love the kids well. Uh, and there are these three things. Um, one, uh, he's really good at ultimate Frisbee. Okay? That's very, these are all very important things to hold in. Two, he's a bigger nerd than me. This is very important. 
The, when I first came, it was like Doug in the Star Wars. He's got something worse than me, okay? I, I, told, I told him I was going to say it. I'm not going to say it. So you'll have to discover it. And then three, Holden is recently engaged, as in how many days ago? August 11th. So recently engaged. So he needs all the love and support you can give. The kids in 180 love him, adore him, connect with him. And I know that this church is going to be a great place for him, for him to minister the gospel. So we want to just pray for Holden quickly, and then we're going to uh, jump into Mark's message here. Uh, Father, we just thank you for bringing godly men like Holden into our midst, Lord, uh, through circumstances, Lord, that we just never saw coming, Lord. You just brought him into our midst to, to share and proclaim your gospel in the midst of this church, Lord. We thank you for his heart uh, that seeks after you, puts you first, Lord, that he finds his joy and his peace and his rest and his hope in you and in you alone, Lord. And I pray that as he steps into a role where he leads other young people to do the same thing, Lord, that you would give him the grace and the peace and the strength that only comes from you for him to be able to do that, Lord. So strengthen him in his new role at this church, Lord. Strengthen um, us as we come alongside of him as a, as a church body and as pastors, Lord. And I just pray that you would also strengthen him in his upcoming marriage, Lord, that you would just bless him with all the blessings you have for him in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Okay, so... I'm trying, to go, I'm trying to think backwards. Esther 7, that was you, right, Pastor Dave? Thank you for doing Esther 7 like a month ago. <laughs> Pastor Doug, Esther 8 was the weekend after that, which I was supposed to do. Thank you. And then you did Esther 9 and 10. Thank you. And then last weekend was the reading service. So I'm excited because I'm going to get a paycheck again, man. <laughs> man, this is, this is fantastic. Um, hey, a couple things. Uh, Thank you. I lost my voice for about 10, 11 days. It, it, you know, you don't realize how much you use your voice until you ain't got it anymore. It's just, it was crazy. And so I know a lot of you prayed for the restoration of my voice, and so I want to say thank you. Conversely, maybe some of you prayed that I'd lose my voice. And here's the lesson in all that. God answers prayers, right? Whether you, whether you prayed that I would lose it or you prayed that it would come back, God answers prayers. That's the good news for all of us. Amen. As you also know, last, uh, this past Monday, six days ago, or five days ago, whatever it was, was August 27th. Monday was August 27th. It was my 30th anniversary to my incredible wife, Terry. So excited about that. What happens when, um, when you have 30 years of marriage, you get some interesting gifts, right? And so, men, I don't want you to be jealous, okay? But I want you to know what my wife got me for our 30th anniversary. On Monday, I had a colonoscopy. I'm just saying, that's what happens. That's what happens when you've been married 30 years. The gifts start to change. I, I got like five weeks worth of stuff pent up in here, so we're going to be here until it gets dark for sure. I'm just kidding. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for praying for me. That was rough. That was really, really rough. And I'm still not 100%, if I'm being honest. My throat's still a little bit, a little bit hoarse, but uh, keep praying for me. Um, just taking it one day at a time. Amen. It's good to be with you guys. The Lord loves you so much. So we're going to kick off our time together with a quick and simple exercise, okay? This is what we're going to do. Being that this is a place of grace, God's home is a place of grace. If it appears to me in this exercise that you have failed in this exercise, you will be given another opportunity to deliver the results that I, as a loving shepherd, am looking for. Amen? Okay. Please stand if you are a rebel. All right, you can be seated. 
Notice that I was standing when I asked the question. <laughs> Consider this. Have you perhaps, say, sinned in the last 30 days? Just give yourself a yes or a no. If you're not sure, it's probably a yes. <laughs> Let me put up this definition from the Holman Bible Dictionary. It describes sin this way. It's actions by which humans rebel against God miss his purpose for their life and surrender to the power of evil, evil rather than to God. With that, I, as a loving shepherd, give you a second chance. Please stand if you are a rebel. Everybody should be standing in case you missed the, the puzzle pieces there. All right, well done, church. You can sit down. Here's a quote. He that sins is human. He that grieves over sin is a saint. He that boasts of sin is of the devil. And he that forgives sin is God. Amen? I love this quote. No matter how many new translations of the Bible come out, people still sin in the same way. It's like, oh, I hope this version fixes it all. Oops. <laughs> A faithful church member asked his pastor this question. He says, doesn't it make you nervous preaching on sin with all those experts sitting in the audience? <laughs> Let's read our text. We are starting the book of Colossians over the next few months. We'll be in the book of Colossians. We're going to do verses 1 through 8 in chapter 1 this evening. Turn to Colossians if you're not already there. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses and then we're going to pray and then we're going to rock and roll. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it, church, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Almighty God, we pause. Oh, God, help us to pause, Holy Spirit, to pause our lives, the, the importance of our lives or the things that we think are important. Help us to pause to hear from you, to be shaped by you, Holy Spirit, to be moved by the power of the gospel message that's bearing fruit around the world to those who submit to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we pause to do that. Nothing is more important than what comes out of your mouth, O oh God, which is what you've given to us in your word. So, Lord, we lay our lives and our hearts before you as we engage on this journey through the book of Colossians, that you, Lord, would continue to form us and shape us and be pleased by the work that you have done in our lives that have submitted to you. Have your way with us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.
Awesome. Gosh, it's so good to be with you guys. Thank you for being here. Thanks for taking this serious, man. God's Word is the most important thing. The most important thing. Let me give you a few quick things. I want to hit on a few important things about the letter um, to the Colossians, okay? Five things. The first one is, Paul's writing this from where, church? Where is he, where is he at when he's writing this letter? He's in prison in Rome. One purpose of this letter was to correct the heresy that had sprung up, not necessarily in the church, but in the area, in the Asian city of Colossae. Some of the bad teaching was this, they were saying that you had a need to observe Old Testament laws and ceremonies. They were saying that you needed to worship angels as mediators to God instead of Christ and Christ alone. It denied the deity of Jesus Christ, that he was fully God and fully man and other things. Think about it. Paul is in prison (laughs) for holding to the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So it's like, hmm, Paul's holding to the truth. He's in prison. These false teachers are coming in. Well, if I hold to the truth, maybe I'll wind up in prison like Paul. Well, I don't want that. So maybe the temptation is to listen to false teaching. It's a challenge that we have to wrestle with every day, church. Yes, Sometimes standing for truth can lead you and I into prison type of experiences. However, (laughs) it is only the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that keeps us from the ultimate prison, which is eternal separation from the presence of the Almighty God. That's the lie that we must escape. Amen? Our propensity, our desire, and our love for sin is what makes false teaching so appealing. So that's the first thing. The second thing about this letter, if you're familiar with the rest of Paul's 13, there's 27 New Testament letters. Paul wrote 13 of those 27. If you're familiar with the rest of Paul's 13 letters, you could argue that the contents of the book of Colossians are pretty well covered in all the other 12. You really don't find much in Colossians. That's not in all the other 12 letters. But did you know that there are 34 words or concepts or truths that are unique to the book of Colossians? So what? Church, here's what I want you to hear in that. When we keep our nose in the word of God, the Lord will always have a similar word for us. And he will also have a fresh word for us. I put it this way, every time, every time I read, the Lord gives me a foundational word and he gives me an additional word. In other words, when I open the word of God, when I'm done, I say, what was I reminded of and what did I learn? That's how you should engage scripture. Open God's word, you close his word after your 15, 20, 30 minutes of spending time with God and you say, what was I reminded of and what did I learn? That's what should be happening every time you open up Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of this, the foundational stuff. And then we build, and we build on our faith, and we build on our understanding of who God is. And we say, thank you, Lord, for what I've just learned. So he reminds us, and he teaches us. The third thing, Paul also wrote three other letters from that same prison cell. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon from prison. Paul, (laughs) those are great letters, all four of those prison letters. Paul accomplished great works for the Lord during a very difficult time, didn't he? He's in prison. He's the one oppressed, but he's thinking of other people in a prison cell. 
He accomplished great works for the Lord during a very difficult time. Some of us may be in a difficult time. What great works does God have for you? And what great works does God have for me during our difficult times? Immediately when I lost my voice, I just knew it was going to be a while. And this is not a big deal. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Right? It's not a big deal. It's my voice. It's, hopefully it's going to come back, right? But immediately I just feel like God's saying I got something in this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to do something great because of it. And it's just interesting that it allowed, you know, Doug just stepped up and took the pulpit for two weekends in a row to know what that's like. And, and that's, that's a big part of, of your growth and your maturity and your leadership. And so it's like that's, that's part of it, you know, for him to grow into his new role as executive pastor. What great works does God have for you and me during our difficult times? That's the question we should be asking him. God, do something great with this. The fourth thing about this letter is many of us perhaps assume that Paul founded the church at Colossae. That's what most of us assume. But most likely it was Epaphras. You just have to look at verse 7 of chapter 1 to know that it was probably Epaphras that started this church. And yet we see Paul, essentially a stranger, lovingly and firmly speak truth into their lives. Now you could be the Colossians and just say, who's this Paul guy? I don't know who he is. I've heard of him. See, oftentimes we don't allow people to speak truth into us, especially a stranger. Who do you and I allow to speak truth into us? Many of us don't allow those we know to speak truth into us. I just thought that that was fantastic, that Paul is just going there with people that don't know him and he doesn't know them. The fifth thing from this letter Here's the bottom line. False teachers were trying to undermine what Epaphras taught to this church. Who or what is currently undermining or trying to undermine the truth in your life? That's a great question for us, church, because I promise you it happens every day. Who or what is currently undermining or trying to undermine the truth of the gospel message in your life? That battle took place here 2,000 years ago in the church of Colossae, and that battle still takes place today, every day. If this battle, I think this is on the screen, if this battle does take place every day, this battle for truth, how are you engaging this battle? What are you doing? What are you doing to engage this battle for truth that happens every day in your life and in my life? Let's reread our eight verses, and then we're going to hit these verse by verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, and we're praying for you always since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for each other because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, which is the gospel. The gospel is not a story about Jesus. It's the, it's the truth of humanity. It's the truth of the world. The gospel is what's true. Verse 6, which has come to you just as in what? All the world also. It is, I love this. Oh, one of my favorite verses. It is constantly bearing fruit. Truth is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it. And you understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who was a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. 
And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So let's, let's meander, let's, let's journey through these, through these eight verses. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Paul recognizes in verse 1, and he owns the fact that he is an apostle. By what? By the will of God. He recognizes it, and he owns it. He lives in the will of the Almighty God. And so it just makes me wonder, what would you plug in for your name? I, Susan Pedroza, am a what? What am I by the will of God? Paul says, I am an apostle by the will of God. I am what by the will of God? Are you doing the will of God? You're no different than Paul. We're no different than Paul. Whatever we are, we should be doing by the will of God. We should recognize it and we should own it and we should live in obedience to whatever God's called us to. Hey, trust me, church. There are times when I just don't want to do this. Does that surprise you? Does that surprise you? Does that shock you? But I must. I must submit because it's God's will. Mark, pastor, my church, because it's the will of God for you to do so. It's fantastic. I totally lost my place. I knew I'd do that. I found, I found it just as I said it. <laughs> Timothy, in verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle by the will of God, and Timothy, a brother. Timothy is Paul's understudy, right? Some of us know this. Maybe you don't. Timothy is Paul's understudy, and he's also responsible for some letters in the New Testament. What letters is Timothy responsible for in the New Testament? Most people would say First and Second Timothy. Those are written by Paul to Timothy. Here's the ones that Timothy is responsible for. 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. They all start the same way, Paul and Timothy. Timothy co-authored this book. Timothy's the man. He's for real. Six, he was involved in writing six books, and two were written to him. Paul had a Timothy. Paul had a Timothy, and Timothy had a Paul. Which one are you, church? Are you a Paul to somebody like Timothy? Are you a Timothy, and do you have somebody like Paul in your life? I think we should. I think everybody here should. You should be a Paul to somebody, and somebody should be a Paul to you. I'm both. I have my Pauls in my life. Pastor Dave is one of the Pauls in my life. I'm a Timothy to to Pastor Dave. I'm a Timothy to Pastor Larry Wachemeyer, who pastors a church out in Long Beach. And I'm a Timothy to Pastor Matthew Cork at your Belinda Friends Church, who meets with me. So I can be a Timothy and he can be a Paul to me. And I'm a Paul to guys like Pastor Doug, who I get to work with and I get to raise up. And I'm a Paul to a guy like Pastor Chris and he Texas says, I get to love on him and raise him up. Which one are you? Try to be both. Find a Timothy and find a Paul. Amen? Verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. I want to point out the importance of a simple word in this verse. It's the word and. 
and. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Additionally, Paul says to the saints and faithful brethren. Grace and peace. And then he says to the saints and faithful brethren. You see, these two pairs, grace and peace, saints and faithful brethren, they go together. Let me explain. See, it's the Lord's grace that makes us what? Saints. We ain't saints unless it's for the Lord's grace displayed on a cross, shed blood that covers our sin, makes us saints, makes us holy. Our sin is covered. We are separated by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's his grace that makes us saints. But you see, it's our being faithful. He doesn't just say, right, the saints, and he says to the saints and faithful brethren. It's our being faithful to him that brings us peace. So grace, right, do you get that? It's his grace that makes us saints, but it's our faithfulness to him that brings us peace. It goes together. The church, <laughs> we know this, the church may indeed be full of saints, but oftentimes the saints aren't faithful brethren, and so there's no peace. Amen? Verse 3, let's read verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. If you know anything about Paul, continually giving thanks was a character trait of Paul's. He was a man of continual thankfulness. It was a character trait of his. One mark of spiritual maturity is a lifestyle of gratitude. One mark of spiritual maturity is a lifestyle of gratitude, especially for other people. I hope I do a good job at that. I try to. I try to constantly say who I'm thankful for, especially to you guys. So thankful for so many people in this church. It's amazing. Who are you and I always thanking the Lord for? Who are you and I always thanking the Lord for? Who are you and I always praying for? Do you and I have a heart like Paul and Timothy's heart? A heart that propels them in this verse to do two things. In verse 3 it says, give, these are the two words, give and always. Give, it says we, not I, we, Paul and Timothy. We give thanks and we pray always. Give and always. Give is generous. Do we have a heart like Paul and Timothy? Are we generous? And then that word always is are we persistent? See, sometimes we're generous and then it fades. Be generous and be persistent in your generosity. Can you imagine if our Lord just stopped being generous towards us, stopped pouring out his grace towards us, stopped pouring out his, his patience, his long-suffering towards us? See, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 132, he says, turn to me, the psalmist says, and have mercy on me. In other words, give to me as you always do to those who love your name, Right? The Lord gives always. He's generous, and he's persistent in doing so. That's what that verse tells us. Verse 4. 
since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for all the saints. Here, (laughs) we see the important word again, the word and, A-N-D. Paul and Timothy have not simply heard of their faith in Jesus Christ, right? He says, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love which you have for all the saints. So another important and word. He didn't just hear of their faith, but also the love that they have for each other. Those two go hand in hand. Paul's not commending them for the love, the the faith that they have in Christ Jesus. I commend you for your faith in Christ Jesus. Go in peace. Uh Uh-uh. That's not where Paul stopped. He says, I commend you because we've heard of your faith in Christ and the love that you have for each other. They go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. Faith in Jesus Christ means that we now live for him and for others. That's what it means. That's what that verse tells us. Verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So you have this faith and you have this love because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. Church, it's because of the word of truth is what verse 5 tells us. It's because of the word of truth, the gospel, God's word, that we place our hope properly in the person of Jesus Christ. That's who is mentioned when it says the hope laid up for you in heaven, that Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father. This is what Pastor Doug spoke about last week. It all depends on where we place or who we place our hope in. When our hope is properly placed in the person of Jesus Christ, is that just my head ringing? That is fantastic. I'm so sick that I hear stuff like that when I'm sick. That could have been me. This is what Doug spoke about last week. When our hope is properly placed in the person of Jesus Christ, our faith and our love can reach pinnacles that we never imagined. Let me say that again. When our hope is properly placed in the person of Jesus Christ, our faith and our love can reach pinnacles that we never thought possible. That's what these verses tell us when you put verses 4 and 5 together. Any teaching that diminishes or distracts from the person of Jesus Christ, who is our hope laid up in heaven, is problematic both theologically and practically. You're off skew theologically and how it's going to practically play out in your life. You won't have the faith you need. You won't have the, uh, uh, the love that you need if it's not rooted in the hope of Jesus Christ laid up in heaven. There's, a lot, there's, there's other verses that Paul writes about on this whole faith, hope, and love. Check out 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says, he's saying him and Timothy again, right? We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to put up a comment from one of my commentaries. This is kind of cool, I think. It's a little, a little weighty, but I think it's helpful. Faith is the soul looking upward to God. Love looks outward to others, and hope looks forward to the future. Faith rests on the past work of Christ. Love works in the present, and hope anticipates the future. 
I'd say it this way. <laughs> what we know about the future should determine our present conduct. What we know about the future should determine our present conduct. Verse 6. Which has come to you, which is the gospel, right? It says the truth of the gospel is how verse 5 ends. The gospel has come to you just as it has come into all the world also, and it's constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. <laughs> I love that the promise of that verse. The gospel message, church, the gospel message of Jesus Christ has been and will be both extensive and explosive. It'll reach the ends of the earth and it'll make impact everywhere it goes. You see that in the stories from our global missionaries and anybody else that you know. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is both extensive and explosive. That's what verse 6 tells us. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus himself said that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached where? In the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, so that whole world, right? That's the extensive part. Here's the explosive part. For the word of the cross, right? Jesus Christ, the gospel message, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The gospel message is extensive and explosive. That's the God we serve. That's the gospel message that we are part of. But we see that important and word again. Check this out. We must both hear and understand. Read verse 6 again. Which has come to you, the gospel, the truth, just as in all the world, it's constantly bearing fruit, right? It's explosive. It's in the whole world. It's, ex it's extensive and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood it. Oftentimes we hear, but we don't understand. We must both hear and understand for the gospel to have that kind of impact in our lives. Oh, church, <laughs> you and I, beloved by God, what else can we possibly invest our time and energy into that is doing what verse 6 tells us it's doing? It's constantly bearing fruit and increasing in all the world. What else can we invest our time and energy into that is constantly bearing fruit and increasing in all the world? That's fantastic. What, what in business was it ROI? What's my return on investment? Oh, everywhere we invest, we get a return. That's what that verse tells us. Where and how do we invest our time, talents, and treasures? Yes, we have other responsibilities. I get it. If you and I don't seem to be constantly bearing fruit, I dare say it's because we hear, but we don't seek to understand. That's what verse 6 tells us. If we're not constantly bearing fruit in our lives, we hear, but we don't seek to understand. 
Because if we hear and we seek to understand, that verse tells us that the gospel will be ex- extensive right, and explosive. But why? Why don't we seek to understand? Why don't we seek to understand? I'll give you three reasons. There's probably more. The first one is we don't truly desire to obey. We don't truly desire to obey the Word of God. Two, we're lazy. We're lazy in our commitment to understand. I got saved at 15. I know I've said that many times. And you know what I did? I did what I thought you're supposed to do. I start memorizing scripture. I start buying apologetics book, apologetic books by uh, who's Sean McDowell? Josh McDowell. And I'm, I'm 15, right? And I'm reading these books on how to defend my faith. I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand. So either one, we don't truly desire to obey. That's why we don't seek to understand. Two, we're lazy in our commitment to understand. Or three, we have put other gods before the Lord. The Lord says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Verses seven and eight. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who was a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love, in the spirit. Paul and Timothy are writing this letter to the Colossians because they heard, they understood, and they learned the gospel from Epaphras. Timothy and Epaphras were an extension of Paul, just as Paul was an extension of Christ in the expansion and in the multiplication of the gospel. That's what we see here in these few short verses, that Timothy and Epaphras were an extension of Paul in the expansion and the multiplication of the gospel message. And on the screens, you'll see what I love. It's just so amazing to see how the Lord still today is multiplying gospel movements. He's doing the same thing today, church, as he was doing here in this uh, letter to the Colossians, where we see Epaphras who starts this church, and we see Timothy, who's Paul's understudy, and we see that he is going to become a pastor as well in First and Second Timothy, which is called the pastoral epistles. It's neat for me to be jumping on a motorcycle on Tuesday with some men, and we're going to cruise our Harleys out to Heath, Texas, five of us and two that are going to be in a support vehicle, because God's still multiplying gospel movements today, and he's doing it in Heath, Texas. It's neat to see uh, Pastor Doug up here growing and maturing as a leader and as a pastor because God's still multiplying gospel movements. It's neat to see a young man, Holden Thompson, because God's still multiplying gospel movements. And then pastor whoever's next, right? That God would have us plant another church. I'm just so excited. And so I ask you, would not our Lord be pleased every time we multiply disciples, pastors, churches, serve team leaders, community group leaders, etc. Would not our Lord be pleased? And finally, our love for one another, which is mentioned here twice in these eight verses, verses four and eight, must be powered by the Holy Spirit. That's what verse eight says. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Our love for one another must be powered by the Holy Spirit. Our flesh brings brokenness and division, but the Spirit brings unity and reconciliation. Without the Spirit, 
It's impossible to do what verse 4 says, which we'll look at in a second. Without the Holy Spirit, we can perhaps love some people, but not all people. Look what verse 4 says. Since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for most of the saints. No. (laughs) For all the saints. And it's fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit because Paul and Timothy were informed of the love that they had for all the saints through the Holy Spirit. We can love some, but we can't love all without the Holy Spirit. And finally, this will be on the screens, love fulfills two divine objectives. One, it represents Jesus to the world. And two, it perfects the body of Christ. When we're fueled by the Holy Spirit, it's the only way we can love one another. We become perfect as a body of Christ. And we're an awesome representation to those around us. Amen?